I love our creative team and um, they're just doing an incredible job. It was great this morning. I love the fact that half of the songs that we did this morning were City Church creative songs. And uh, it's so good. And I know there's more coming and it's just an exciting season of a lot of creativity flowing out of this place. Dare I say it, it's arising out of City Church. And it's an exciting time and I'm really excited for our future, but I'm excited for your future. And I just, I love, I love being your pastor. I love this season that we're in as a church, but I just think for every one of us, let's not miss it. Let's not miss what God is doing and the momentum that he's creating and the health that he is building. Let's not miss, upon, miss out on Let's every one of us step into it personally and say, you know what, I want to take my place. I want to be part of this as well. It's great that corporately we are seeing incredible things happen, but for your life, your personal life this morning, God has something great for you. God wants to do something powerful in your life today. And so let's believe that. You know, this morning, we woke up early this morning and uh, Georgia has been unwell. And so that's where Amy is today. She's looking after Georgia at home. But I was driving up to church with Cooper this morning. And as I was just driving up talking, he starts talking to me about his teeth falling out. And he says to me, he's talking about, I can't wait till my teeth start to fall out because then the tooth fairy comes. His theology is a little bit messed up. Then the tooth fairy comes and I get coins. And I was like, oh, that's cool, buddy. I said, what are you going to do with your coins? He said, well, what I'm going to do with my coins is I'm going to help people in need. (laughs) I'm like, who is this kid? (laughs) Social justice warrior. Like, i got to be honest, I don't teach him this stuff at home. And so I'm thinking to myself, where does, where does he heard this? And then I realized, he's hearing this at Kids Church. And they're talking about the compassion children at Kids Church. And they're talking about who they sponsor there and how they help young people in need. And I thought to myself, what an incredible environment that our kids can grow up in. Where they hear about that. Unfortunately, they're not hearing it from their parents at home. <laughs> The pastors of the church have let you down. They're just hearing it from kids' church. But I thought, wow, how incredible is that? That our kids are in that environment. They're hearing about biblical things. They're hearing about Jesus. The amount of times that kids come home and talk to you about what they've heard. And it's just incredible what is happening in their life. I think we're having church up here, but our kids are having church down there. They're not just being babysat down there. They're actually learning about Jesus and growing in their faith. And I think, what an incredible thing that we are a part of. So this morning, I just want to continue speaking about the whole thought of arising. And uh, I want to speak this morning from the title, Come to Jesus and Arise. I mentioned this morning during the MC moment that James 4 verse 8 says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. See, it's not your denomination. It's not your experience or your knowledge that will save you. It's not your great theological understanding that will save you. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ that will save you. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ that will cause you to bear much fruit. It talks about in John 15 that we would be connected to the vine. In other words, we would be connected to Jesus Christ in genuine and real relationship. That we would be abiding in Christ. 
And out of that place, we wouldn't strive, we wouldn't try to be something that we're not. We would just naturally flourish with the fruits of the Spirit coming out of our life. Things like love, joy, peace, patience. Those things would come as a natural result of our genuine relationship with Jesus. And I think things go wrong for us in church where we try and go the other way around. And we just chase Love, or we chase joy, or we chase peace, and we go the other way around and try and do it without Jesus. And I wonder at times whether sometimes we need to walk away from religion, which sometimes can be something that so sticks to us, and be able to walk towards Jesus with freedom. Because sometimes I feel like the religious part of us just wants to go through the motions, and unfortunately, the religious part of us can be the familiarity of going through the motions of what we do. See, church is a moment where we can connect with God and connect with people. At its truest form, it's about loving God, loving people. That's why church exists. But we can make it so much more about us than we can make it about those things. And I talked, talk about that honestly this morning as someone that has struggled with that at times myself. We can be standing there in the worship, singing a song going, I don't really like that song. I don't really like the music today. I don't really like that. I don't, I'm not sure about that lighting today. I'm not sure about uh, you know, these songs that we are singing. But then we have to remind ourselves that the songs aren't for us. We're actually singing them to Jesus. They're a worship song to Him. And it changes. It changes our perspective. Perhaps we can have a perspective when someone's preaching. Oh, no. We've lucked out today. We've got Ben who's preaching this morning, I want someone with a bit more experience. I want someone that's not going to tell a whole bunch of stories about his family. I want someone that's going to give me a bit more theological meat this morning. You know I'm playing, right? Maybe you do. (laughs) I want all of these things, but we can forget, actually we come for the word of God. We come to hear from God this morning. We didn't just come to be entertained or someone to give us a nice message. We came to meet with God. And sometimes I think we can forget about those things because we're consumed about getting our coffee at the end of the service. Instead of meeting new people that have made a decision to follow Jesus. Or interacting with others and thinking about the person that's sitting next to us. Or the person that's new instead of our coffee in our hand. The beautiful latte. And I love it. I love coffee. And I love the music. And I love all those things. But let's not forget why we come together on a Sunday. We come to draw near to Jesus. And if we ever forget that and become too sophisticated for that, we might as well shut the doors. If we get too sophisticated for God and God can't interrupt us, we've missed the moment. If we get so caught on our run sheets and what we're doing and, the, and going to this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing that we forget the Holy Spirit can come in a moment and shake things up. The church can be a place where anything could happen and it probably will. That's the kind of church I want to lead. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of where I just rock up thinking, you know what, something powerful can happen today. I don't want to just go through a list of religious rituals today. Today I want to meet with God. I want to get before God and I want to seek His face. I want to love Jesus with everything that's on the inside of me. I love in John 14 verse 6, it said, Jesus speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. See, I truly believe we don't need a revival of religious ritual. We need a revival of relationship. We need a revival of relationship with Jesus that we would be awakened. How easy it is to become comfortable in our relationship with God. And instead of coming to Him, we come to our routines. We come to our church services. And we forget that church services are all about directing us and pointing us to Jesus. We get so caught up in the rhythms of our week that we can forget that seeking God isn't just a Sunday tradition. Seeking God is a lifestyle. It's something we do day in, day out. Seeking Him, praying, reading our Bibles, taking time with God. They're not just religious activities. They're truly about following Jesus. What is a Christian? A follower of Jesus. Not just somebody that observes religious rituals, has an understanding of theology, has an understanding of who Jesus is and the details about him from the Bible, but somebody that has a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus. And I thank God for the high moments in our life where we have had mountaintop experiences with God. But I hope those mountaintop experiences aren't all in our past. Because ahead of us, is so much more. If we would go on the journey with Jesus. If we would say, you know what? My past has been fantastic, but my future with God is incredible. Because I can journey each and every day with Jesus. And in that journey, there's an incredible transformation that happens in my life as I seek out Jesus Christ. See, I want the temperature of my life to be turned up. I want the passion for Jesus Christ to get stronger in my life as I get older. I don't want it to diminish. I want it to get stronger. I want my enthusiasm for God to be something that is not something that I just play it cool. I want it to be something that's fresh and real and vibrant. I want it to be overflowing in my life. It's a bit like when you boil the kettle at home. You boil that kettle and it starts to bubble. There starts to be some heat that's kind of generated as it starts to boil. And it starts to have this impact. And you can notice there's a noise that's making. Maybe your kettle at home is going, whoo. You know, it starts to make that kind of sound. There's the bubble noise that's happening. I hope that my life kind of has that when people are around me long enough that the Holy Spirit is coming out. There's a bit of bubble that's coming there. There's a bit of heat. There's a bit of passion that's coming out of my life that people can notice. There is a genuine relationship with Jesus. See, the kettle can only heat up if it's connected to the power source. And oftentimes we're trying to generate excitement, generate hype, generate things, but we've got to ask ourselves more importantly, are we connected to the source of power? Because if we're not connected to that source of power, we can have all the froth and bubble that we want. We can create hype, we can create events, and we can completely miss the point. Come to Jesus and arise. It's not about us arising in our own strength. and We're going to show everyone that we're arising. It's arising in the strength of Jesus Christ. In our relationship with Him, that it just starts to flow out of us. I want to take us to Mark chapter 2 this morning. A powerful passage of scripture where a miracle takes place. And it's just an incredible environment for us to be reminded of this morning to have faith in our hearts. This is in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again, he entered, speaking about Jesus, Capernaum after some days. 
and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there were no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. See, to me, that tells me straight away, Jesus just wasn't some boring religious figure that had great moral advice because there was many people like that that were in the society and the culture of the day. This was a man that was genuine, authentic. The power that he spoke about, he didn't just talk about it. It started to flow. It was coming out of his life. There was something about him. There was a joy on Jesus that was attractive to people. That the house was so full. There were so many people. There was crowds of people. And why were they there? They were there, gathered around to hear the words of Jesus. They weren't just there for a good entertainment. Church social night, which is great. They were there because they were hanging on every word that Jesus spoke. They were followers of Jesus. They were genuine in their pursuit of who he was. It goes on to say, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Problem solvers. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. I love the fact that Jesus saw their faith. The, faith. the fact that faith is actually a visible thing. The faith is something that we can actually see. Expectation and excitement. A genuine kind of faith is something that can be seen. You know, I've been in environments where you've preached in an environment of faith. And I've been in environments where you preach in an environment of doubt. And they're very, very different. When there's faith, people are on the edge of their seat. There's an expectation. There's an excitement. There's a leaning into what's going on. It doesn't just have to be a showy thing. It's in people's heart. But there is evidence of faith. There is an expectation. Faith is visible. May I challenge you this morning in your life, is your faith visible? Would people around you convict you of being a Christian Because of the evidence of your faith. Would your family members and friends and people that you work with, would they be able to look at your life and say, you know what? That person's a little bit crazy. They've got some faith on them. There's something that's a little bit extra about this person. In a good way. Hopefully you're not bonkers. But the kind of faith that you kind of expect God to show up, you'd believe that he's real. That we're not just kind of observing a whole bunch of religious rituals, but we actually believe when it comes to death. On the other side of that is life with Jesus Christ. That's the kind of life I want to live. I love great moral teaching. I love teaching and helping people to be able to achieve their purpose and to live with great morals and character. And that is fantastic. But the basis of that has got to be Jesus. Because there's a whole bunch of good people in the world that aren't on their way to heaven. There can only be one way. And it's not through a a theological understanding. It's through a person, as articulated. One way, one truth, one life, one option, Jesus Christ. Connecting with him, having genuine relationship with him. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. 
And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does the man speak blasphemy like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? God knew. Which is easier to say to this paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that they may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. I wonder how many people look at our life and think, I've never seen anything like this before. That there's something that's different about us that can only be described as God working in our lives that actually draws the attention of people to say, you know what, there is something about that person. I cannot put my finger on it. There's some kind of passion on the inside of them. There's some kind of way that they love me. There's some kind of way that they live their life with this sense of expectation and faith. There's just got to be something about that person that tells me about a God that is bigger than me. I wonder whether our lives are a megaphone to who Jesus is. I wonder whether our lives are like the light leading people to Jesus in dark places. That's the challenge for us. How do we achieve that? It seems so hard. We talk about that at church. It's like, that seems so hard. I mean, that's great in theory, but what about Monday morning workplace? Like, I'm tired after the weekend. I'm going in there, and then I've got to be the light of the world? I'm just trying to get a coffee. I'm just trying to light up my own world. And I guess that's the challenge of faith. It's not actually in us trying to be something. It's in us saying, you know what? I'm submitting myself to Jesus. And that strength and those things that are going to come out of our life are all going to come out from us being connected to the source, which is Jesus Christ. If our relationship with him is genuine and daily and we're journeying with him and we're close to him, we'll hear his whispers. We'll hear his direction. We'll hear what he's guiding us to do. We don't need to make it more complicated than it is. Here's my action plan to win people to Jesus today. How about, God, I'm available to you today. Holy Spirit, I want to be connected with you today. Help me listen today in the midst of all of the noise and be obedient to you. And just trust that God knows how to reach people. Actually, I think he's an expert at it. (laughs) I think he knows how to do it. Sometimes we've got to be quiet and stop trying, 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 trying and just start being. Being in relationship with him and letting that just flow out of our life. So three things that happen when we seek after Jesus. Number one, faith arises. It says in this passage, when Jesus saw their faith He said, he saw their faith. It was visible. It was something that could be seen. Christine Kane says it this way, for your faith to work, you have to put your faith to work. And isn't that true? Faith is only a theory if we don't actually put it into practice. And it's a nice theory 
but it's better in action. It's better when we apply it. It's better when there's an expectation in our hearts that there's a genuine desire to trust God. I love in Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith has a substance to it. It has a way of us living our lives. A service at church has a substance to it. Faith and that excitement. You know, I could get excited this morning because I believe there is faith in the room. But faith in the room, it starts to have an evidence. It starts to have an excitement. It has a noise. It has a body language. It has an action to it. It has people lifting up their hands in worship. It has people getting excited about what God is doing in their life. It has this kind of lean in. You know, body language is a huge teller of relationship. You can see when you're talking to a couple and there's just no love between them because of the body language. But then it's so different to the body language of, say, a young couple that are in love and think about a young couple that are getting engaged. The body language is down on one knee, in your face, holding a ring. There's a sense of expectation and leaning that happens with that kind of body language. And I, I want us to be that kind of people when it comes to leaning into Jesus. That we have that kind of body language when we come to a service. We're not just observing a religious ritual to be entertained. We're coming to meet with God. And so our body language, I don't care who's preaching. I don't care who's leading the worship. I don't care who's leading the offering message today or the announcements. I'm just going to allow it to be the best thing ever because I'm not here for that person. I'm here for God. And I want to lean into what he's doing. Because I don't want to just become a religious person. Always looking with a cynical view. You see in this scripture, the religious people, they gathered around. Who are you to forgive sins? They're about to see a miracle take place and they're just concerned with that. How many times are we concerned with the song and we just missed a powerful moment to connect with God? Guilty. (laughs) I can be so easy running around. What about the lights? Turn the lights up. Guys, turn the music here. Do this, do that. I'm abandoned for it. I'm always walking over to Sam over here. Tell him, turn this up, turn that down. Sometimes I just got to go, Ben, stop. Just, you're here for God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Spend time with him. Faith is not founded on our failures, but it's founded on the finished work of God. And sometimes our failures have become our theological foundation for our future. And so our experience has told us that God could not bring about a miracle in our life because our experience has let us down. But can I tell you this morning, your faith isn't in your experience. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. Your faith isn't in your past failures. Your faith is in the finished work of Jesus. That he can do something powerful in your life. Don't be so cool that you forget to have faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, doubt has evidence and faith has evidence. And I want my life to be a life of faith. I love a small child. They don't really have issues with faith. They just trust that if they're going to jump off a table, that you're going to catch them. My little girl, Georgia, she is crazy, capital C crazy. That girl's crazy. She's only one year old, but she will jump off screaming anything. And she will just expect that you catch her. Because she hasn't learnt 
to fail you. The time is coming where we're not going to catch her. And she's jumped and we've missed her. And then maybe she's going to reassess it and be slower to do it. But I love the fact that as a child, she hasn't learned to have a theology of failure. She's just learned to have a theology of trust. And I think about that in my life. And as a Christian, sometimes our failures, as we rack them up through the years, sometimes our experiences and our disappointments, they can count against us because they somehow start to get into our theology about God. And we start to see God through our own filter instead of the word of God. He can never fail. He can never let us down. He cannot lie. His word is true. And so when we rely upon him and what he's saying, Something happens on the inside of us. But we've got to keep reminding ourselves not to go back to our default of our experience. But to trust in Jesus Christ. Don't let your experiences dictate your expectation. The second thing this morning is this. Forgiveness arises. The first thing is faith arises. The second thing is forgiveness arises. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Did anybody notice... He didn't actually ask for forgiveness. He rocks up. Four people have carried him. You know, it's really, he's probably relied a lot on their faith, even more than his own. And that's the beauty of church, that oftentimes there's other people's faith that carries us along. There's other people that are praying for us when we don't feel like we've got the energy to pray ourselves. There's other people encouraging us and putting courage in us when we don't have the courage ourselves. The beauty of church is that there's a whole bunch of people carrying you, even when you can't carry yourself. And so this guy arrives at this location. Here he is, dropped down through the roof. There's a whole crowd of people. It kind of would be a little bit embarrassing, intimidating. And Jesus' first words are, you are forgiven. I'm sure that one of the disciples ran over to Jesus and said, Jesus, it's actually meant to be a healing meeting. It's not an evangelism one. He's actually looking for a miracle. I'm sure that everybody else is thinking to themselves like, that's cool, but where's the miracle? But I love the fact that Jesus is concerned with forgiveness. And I also love in this story that he didn't even utter a word. He just showed a body language of being there. And Jesus said, son, you are forgiven. That tells me a lot about the heart of God. We come to him with our sins and we're, God, I'm whipping myself. I've done this and I've done that. I'm too dirty. I'm too sinful to be in your presence. Mate, I've already forgiven you. As soon as we lean towards him, he's there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He had not even uttered a word and God said, you are totally and completely forgiven. What a God we serve. As soon as you acknowledge him, you are completely forgiven. Now, what is the purpose of him doing that? What is the purpose of forgiveness? Relationship. So Jesus said, that's great that you want a miracle. That you want want the fancy, spectacular, get up, walk out of this place kind of miracle. But Jesus said, first things first, I'm about relationship. And forgiveness is one way I can remove the barrier of sin, which is stopping our relationship. And I can remove that immediately so we can get back to what the main thing is here, relationship. I love that about God. He didn't just quickly 
jump over that part of the agenda and leave the salvation altar call to the end. Jesus is the reverse preacher. He does the salvation altar call first, and then he does the message. And I just think how powerful is that? Forgiveness sets us up for relationship. It's powerful. See, oftentimes, our unforgiveness, and even the way that we see ourselves and we allow our sin to so deeply entangle us in our own thinking, we can't move past that. Sometimes we can't move past that to forgive somebody else, and that's damaging to you. Sometimes we can't move past it to forgive ourselves, and that's damaging to you. Both of those things are opportunities for us to be able to let that go and move towards relationship. When there's unforgiveness between somebody, there's a lack of relationship. And that has to be removed for that relationship to be restored. It's the same when it comes to God. When we allow unforgiveness to stop us, it's like us ourselves putting up a barrier between us and God. And we tell ourselves we are not good enough. You are, either the grace of Jesus Christ is enough for you, or it's not. Either we've got to trust that Jesus and the work that he's done on the cross is complete, and that as bad as you are, and as sinful as you are, and as many sins that you rack up, God's still got more grace. He's still got more forgiveness than whatever sins you can give. He's got more for you. And we've got to make the decision to say, you know what? I forgive myself because there's a relationship that God wants me to have. And that's way more important than self-loathing and me sitting in a corner whipping myself for my sins and my past and my failures. We are all going to mess up. Let me tell you something. Tomorrow you're going to mess up. You might be clean right now. But you're still going to be clean tomorrow, even when you mess up. Because God's forgiveness is for you. He forgave you before you uttered a word. You leant towards him. And God forgave. I love Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. It says so clearly in scripture, those who confess their sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've got to trust that. Sometimes our experience has told us other people have let us down. And so we filter God the same way that we filter another human being. And we start looking at it that way. Well, he's going to judge me for not kind of like having it all together and all these sins I've racked up. Hey, God's not like us humans. His ways are higher than our ways. And we've got to understand his forgiveness is setting us free. And when we walk in that freedom, it's powerful. We've got to let it go. Forgiveness arises. And third and finally this morning, future transformation arises. Like how I did that with the three F words. (laughs) Mark chapter 2, verse 9 says this. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power enough to forgive your sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, went out in the presence of them all, and they were all amazed and glorifying God. I love that Jesus allows us, as we journey with him and have relationship with him that's authentic, he allows us to take our bed with us. That is our sin and our testimony and our past. He allows us to carry it with us to remind us of where we've come from. And to remind us of the transformation that's taken place. And sometimes we can look at that and we can either see it two ways. We can see it as a burden that we carry. 
Or we can see it as a blessing that we can look back on and be thankful. See, sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves that maybe we're not where we want to be, but we're not where we were. And God's taking us somewhere. As we follow him, we're journeying, we're moving, we're progressing, we're going forward in our lives. Religion will keep you in the same spot, observing. But relationship will keep you moving. Jesus was always moving. He had followers. He had disciples that moved with him. But crowds of religious people came and went. They didn't stay. And the truth for every one of us is we've got to make the journey to continue to go along following Jesus. And sometimes with that, we're carrying our past. We're carrying our testimony. But that's actually a beautiful thing. Because that's something we can share with other people. I love it says this, Jesus speaking, he said to them, If anyone desires to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The best discipleship program is following Jesus. We can come and feed you every week. And we do. And we will. With the word of God and and, and do that. But that's going to keep you on empty if you just are relying to be filled up every Sunday. You're going to get to the next Sunday and you're like, oh, quickly, fill me up again. But if you want to really genuinely grow, if you want a discipleship program that's going to really genuinely transform your life, that discipleship program is a daily relationship with Jesus. We can't manufacture that. We can't do an eight-week program for that. We can't teach you a whole bunch of theology for that. That's just got to be something that you journey along with Jesus. What's the greatest way for you to be transformed? I'll tell you this honestly, the greatest way that I've seen people be transformed in their life is reading their Bible. They're the best people to lead because you don't have to follow them up. God does that. They're reading the Bible. They think they're reading the Bible. The Bible's reading them. They're not the person causing trouble because the Holy Spirit is already doing a work in them. They're not the person looking for vision because vision's popping out of the page. To them, they're not the person that you need to have to tell them and remind them to go and reach their friends and family for Jesus because they can't help but read about it and think, I've got to do that as a follower of Jesus. Reading your Bible is the greatest way to transform your life because it's reading you. Peter and John talks about how they were unskilled, ordinary men, but the people around them acknowledged that they had been with Jesus. That was what was different about them. And I wonder whether that's said about us, that we've been with Jesus. See, the Bible isn't just a nice kind of book with great moral code and great information about history. It's the kind of book that does transformation work on the inside of you. As you read it, it reads you, it changes you, it challenges you, it transforms your life. And that's what a relationship with Jesus does. Religion will just keep you the same. Religion will make you work harder. Religion will keep you entertained. But it'll keep you really hollow. Because don't you want to know that this thing's real? Don't you want to know that the reason we come here and do all of this stuff on a Sunday isn't just to be entertained and have a whole bunch of fun like any kind of community group? 
Don't we want to know that when the rubber hits the road, that our relationship with God is real? When we're on our deathbed, that it's not some kind of religious kind of thing that we've missed out on, but we genuinely have met with God. And because of that, there's a confidence that we live with. I don't know about you, but I'm not really caught up on the hype of religion. I just want it to be real. And if it's real and God's word is real and I genuinely seek after God, then some real things are hopefully going to start to flow out of my life as a result of that. And I want to be that kind of person. So Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This morning, I just want everyone just to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. I guess this morning's been, I hope, both an encouraging and a challenging message. Perhaps it's been simple. But sometimes simple is powerful. Sometimes simple is what we need. And the gospel is so simple. It's the good news for every person. And I want you to reflect on your life this morning as eyes are closed, heads are bowed. How's your relationship with Jesus? Does there need to be a revival there? Does there need to be a genuine kickstart there? Has it become dry? Has it become ritual? Has it become just going through the motions? Have you forgot your first love? Have you forgot that it's actually about a genuine relationship with Him? Maybe you're here this morning and you just don't have a relationship with God. It's not even that you're... You've had one and you've kind of grown cold now. Perhaps you just don't have one and this morning is an opportunity for you. I'm going to ask you in a moment for people that want to accept a relationship with Jesus, want to recommit to a relationship with Jesus. With your eyes closed and heads bowed this morning with privacy, I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to do something bold and courageous this morning. If you know this morning that you need to get your relationship with Jesus right, or you need to start for the first time a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to invite you to lift up your hand just high enough and long enough so that I can see it. And then I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray for all of us this morning. Thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else this morning that wants to say, you know what, that's me. I need to get my relationship with Jesus right. I need to make a decision this morning that's going to change the course of my destiny. I want a genuine relationship with Jesus. If that's you this morning, I just want to invite you right now. Just lift up your hand quickly. Long enough and high enough that I can see it. I'll acknowledge it. And then we'll pray. Awesome. Awesome. Tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to invite everyone this morning to stand up with me. This person that's lifted their hands this morning. We're going to pray together as a church family. Because when we are starting a relationship with Jesus, we start in family. Immediately, we're part of the body of Christ. Immediately, we are together. Immediately, we've got family that we're doing life with. And it's a powerful moment. I think it's beautiful to be able to do this together. But a relationship with Jesus is why we exist. It's the most exciting adventure you can go on, having a personal relationship with God. So this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me, a simple prayer, asking Jesus to come into our life. And we're going to pray it together. So why don't you repeat this after me? Dear Lord Jesus... Today I give you my life. I want a genuine relationship with you. I give you all of me. For all of my sin, I'm sorry. 
Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you love me. Help me to journey each day with you. And to be a follower of Jesus. I love you. And I give you my life. Amen. Amen. Lord, I pray this morning for every one of us. Lord, I pray we take this challenge today to make our relationship with you portable, not just a Sunday thing, but a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing, every day of our life kind of thing. But we don't need someone to rev us up, but we are a genuine follower of Jesus. We don't need people pushing us to Jesus because we are chasing after him ourselves. Lord, I pray our pursuit of you would be stronger than it ever has been before. Where we've got lukewarm, we've got cold, Lord, I pray, just like we boil a jug, Lord God, as we connect with you, I pray, stir us up again. Let the bubbles of passion start to arise in our lives again, Lord Jesus. As we come to Jesus, I pray we would arise as a church. As we come to Jesus personally, I pray our lives would arise to the purpose that was intended. I pray you'd use us mightily and powerfully this week and your blessing and favor would be upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen.